0: This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management.
1: Good morning. Welcome everybody to What's in Store, the show where we discuss hot topics at the cross section of retail and real estate. I'm Carly Ayakono, Senior Vice President at CBRE, and I am joined by Chris Ressa, the COO of DLC. Chris, great to see you again. How are you? You today? too.
0: Doing well. How's your summer going?
1: Amazing. I will tell you quickly before we jump into all of the fascinating things we have to talk about. I bought a folding kayak that was just delivered Early this morning before I left for work, and I am so excited about it.
0: Interesting. My new, how how, it folds up like how much?
1: Like a suitcase, like two feet by three feet. And it's a two person, 10 foot kayak that does not require to be inflated.
0: And paddles?
1: Well, I already had those, yes.
0: But not fold up, no fold up paddles.
1: But they come apart in different pieces, so I'm covered. All right. Hop it in the back of the convertible, and my summer was just upgraded. Pretty exciting. Amazing.
0: Where yeah. do you go kayaking?
1: Everywhere, lakes, rivers, wherever I wherever I am.
0: Oh, very cool.
1: So, how about you? Summer good?
0: Summer's good. Um, beginning, kids were sick, but now mm. healthy and getting ready for school. Uh, so, uh, it is good. I it, I will say this. You know, this is the summer for people on vacation. Getting things done has definitely been a challenge.
1: I agree. Yeah. yeah. I feel like every deal it's, uh, you know, three different countries and four states that, uh, everyone's calling in from. So yeah, uh, thank goodness for, for zoom. Agreed. So we have to everyone listening, some really interesting things to talk about. And today's show is about everything retail, real estate related that people are not talking about. Okay. Everything might be a stretch three things, three big things that people are not talking about related to retail commercial real estate. And we really think they should be. So we're here to bring them to your attention and share our thoughts uh, today. The first one, let's jump in, is the tremendous infrastructure bill that was just passed by Congress and how that will impact eminent domain and what that means for retail real estate. So Chris, why don't you kick us off on what you think this this bill means to commercial real estate investors, tenants, what impact this will have?
0: Yeah, I think that it's interesting, right? This is like massive infrastructure bill and states have been on the sidelines for projects for a long time and the federal government's about to give them money for their projects. And the states are going to spend the money on projects. The, if you think about retail real estate, retail real estate is typically. The real estate that's closest to roads, access points, bridges, things like this that are gonna, um, be needed by governments to complete their projects. And I have to imagine that it's going to lead to more a pickup in eminent domain and i don't know how many cases of eminent domain there are across the country i don't know if that's even kept because it's different by state by state municipality by municipality but um you know i recently had on the podcast someone who's uh retail retold someone who specializes in eminent domain and he believes over the next like three to five years you're gonna have a pickup of like 30% in eminent domain cases and it's just his number, but it feels significant. And if we're gonna do all this infrastructure, it would seem to be, now some of the eminent domain might just be like a sliver of land, right? right? Normally it's not like they're taking the whole building or something like that. But I do think it's something we should be talking about as an industry because I think there's going to be an increase in eminent domain cases.
1: So with that, we will likely see an increase in 1033 exchanges. So 1031 exchanges, we talk about all the time. It's a huge part of my business. Um, Definitely a fantastic mechanism everyone's already familiar with. 1033 is less talked about. For those of you listening who aren't familiar, it's an exchange when your property is taken by condemnation or eminent domain. The rules are completely different, much more flexible. You have two to three years, depending on how the property is classified to replace the property, instead of this tight 45 day ID period. No intermediaries required, no ID period. So the time pressure that we see with 1031 exchanges isn't there, but it's still an exchange mechanism. So we might have this new group of investors that we we really, it's such a small portion right now of exchanges but that, I think, could tick up with this 30% increase in eminent domain that you just mentioned. And we have this whole new subset of buyers that have to buy, but they don't have to buy for two to three years. And what does that mean for market velocity, pricing, et cetera?
0: Yeah, so, totally agree. Uh, and and that 30%, that's not 30% of properties will be subject to eminent domain. And that's right, whatever right. the number is of eminent domain cases, it could increase up to 30% um, based on where the what the governments think they need to take on these projects. And the process is, you know, could be really quick or it could be cumbersome because you could be working with, you know, the, their engineers and to try to get them off of your property. And, um, it, you know, you can do a lot of research on eminent domain and it's different by locale to locale. But uh, it, it seems to reason that there's going to be, and increase them into main cases.
1: Last thing, yet, and maybe you know the answer. I don't on this. How do they value the properties um, when you're approached? Is it independent appraisers? Like how yeah, they much have an appraiser. Do you they have think an there appraiser? On come.
0: That? And so they have an appraiser come, but I mean, it doesn't take into it. Typically, doesn't take into damages. Okay. Right. So um, you 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 know if you. You have to respond quickly. If you respond quickly and get into court, you can, you can start to really talk about price. Uh, it's definitely hard to stop a taking, but you can definitely challenge pricing.
1: Hmm. Okay. sounds like this could be a, another windfall for the the legal industry as well. I'm sure it's (laughs) not a, an easy (laughs) process. All right. So eminent domain, maybe still a small portion of property trades, probably still a small portion, but an uptick of 30 percent around there um, certainly could be impactful. So very interesting. All right. Number two, retail real estate is becoming more durable. Now, this is, of course, in direct conflict with most headlines um, that are always, for some reason, extremely negative on retail, unnecessarily so, in my opinion. I think yours as well. So, why? What do we mean by that? Why do you think retail real estate is becoming more durable?
0: I mean, there there are a ton of reasons. I think the first thing that I think about is the supply and demand, and the supply of retail real estate has changed. So one, there's been repurposing of spaces. We see department stores turning into multifamily units. We see uh, malls getting knocked down and turned into industrial. We see Mm self-storage. And so if we were once overstored in America, the market has been changing. I think two, Um, the, because of the challenge in construction costs, not much new development is being built. So as you're actually removing supply off the market, you're not having new supply by via new construction come online. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there's been a significant uptick in occupancy at retail centers because. You can, it's easier to profit in a store physically than at scale, than at scale online. And so I think the, the one piece, and I think some of this is being talked about, but I think what we're not talking about enough is what I like to say, you know, honey reshrunk the space. So if you think about what this new occupancy has become, you take a Kmart box. Kmart was, I don't know, 100,000 square feet. Today, if you look at that former Kmart box, what is it? It's a TJ Maxx, Five Below, Burlington, and an Ulta. That's an example. It could be many different things. So what that means is when one Kmart, when Kmart filed bankruptcy or any single one tenant, in each space, when they closed, it put hundred thousand square feet on the market per location. well in today's environment you would have to have four different creditworthy entities file to equal that one vacancy so when one of them files maybe it's only 10,000 square feet of vacancy put on the market at once versus yesteryear when it used to be a uh, hundred thousand square feet. so you know over the last couple of years I had three Kmart boxes one went to one tenant. The other two were split up into four different tenants. So those, you know, we shrunk the size of the space, making it a much more durable. And the credit risk spread out through multiple credit worthy entities. Um, and this has happened at scale across America of different boxes. You know, we had a sports box broken up into two. And so as the space gets smaller and you add more doors. You spread the risk through more credit entities and one big event doesn't add a significant amount of supply to the market all at once, which is what I would say the biggest disruptor to leasing velocity are multiple mass closures all at once because it just puts a significant supply to the marketplace uh, all at once. Well, now those MASH closures are going to add less and less supply to the market every time.
1: And I can't think of very many, a handful of retailers that still occupy very large format stores that are on bankruptcy watch lists. There's a few. Um, but it's less and less to your point. So there's twofold, right? We have more store openings and closures. We have less vacancy in the market overall. And then on top of that, we have the smaller store footprint coming in and backfilling the vacancies, so we're protected against any future risk. And I think exactly what you said, that's the piece that people aren't talking about. There's a lot of stats I'll share a few with you actually, because you know we put at Siberia a lot of these out, but, just store closures and openings. So, first six months of 2022, there were 4,328 announced store openings, very specific, and 1,912 announced closures, according to that was actually a core site stat. And then we have 1.9% more openings and 58% fewer closures compared to this time last year. So, the market is really tightening. We don't have as much space in terms of, of vacancy and availability. And then when we do have bankruptcies, it's just a lot easier to manage because it's not the same square footage. So completely agree. I think all those factors come together and just create a much more stable retail landscape. And we certainly do not hear that presented that way.
0: No, not at all. I think, um, you just think about where, you know, anyone out there lives and think about a repositioning of a, of a box. Most times it got repurposed to multiple users, right? And I'm
1: sure there's pretty significant TI on the front end there. So it's maybe a bit painful at the beginning, but then the long-term value creation with higher rents, with better credit, with less risk over time, is absolutely worth it if you can pull that off. So yeah,
0: the, in the last like five or six years, our we've repositioned over a hundred boxes that are north of 15,000 feet. So if you think about, and it's not a hundred different spaces, it's a hundred different new tenants that went into those uh, spaces. So it could have been one that we turned into four, but uh, it's significant. And I think, you know, and what's really interesting is, you know the lack of vacancy is so real.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We have a center in a market in Texas where there is literally zero existing product over fifteen thousand square feet available. Zero this is a yes. major market. Zero, and yes. if you're a national retailer looking to expand in like some of these markets, there's literally zero space available. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure. That doesn't
1: hold everywhere in the country, but yeah. It's- It's definitely pretty widespread. Yeah. Great news. All right, so the third thing we're gonna touch on today are retail rents. Now we have talked about rents in previous What's in Stores, there's data out there about rents, but I think the the point here that's being missed is that retail rents are rising. And this is really impactful for how deals pencil out. They're already rising and they're gonna have to continue to rise if we're gonna have development deals make sense. So there's a lot of factors that are pushing rents up, but why don't you kick us off on this point, Chris, with your thoughts on how it relates to construction and development?
0: Yeah, I think I think something else too, which is if they don't continue it's one, it's not just new development, it's an existing improved space because the cost to put a retailer you know a former uh toys r us and reposition that and take that and put in a new credit entity has a significant cost to the landlord and to make the the deal pencil given construction costs the the rents either rise or the deal doesn't get done and given the supply and demand in the you know so heavily weighted in the landlord's favor in today's environment rents are rising and they're going to continue to rise and they need to rise even more on the new development front right and this applies to the existing as well as you have construction costs rising and cap rates potentially creeping up which i think in the pandemic uh, in the heart of uh, maybe not the pandemic. The heart of people staying at home uh, for the amount of time they did. I think you know what what we saw is people were making the money on the cap rate compression as mm-hmm. construction costs rose more so than on the rents rising. And if cap rates are going the other way and construction costs are like college tuition and aren't coming down, then rents will rise or Deals won't
1: happen. We're already seeing that. We have developers on very tight margins on some of these smaller single tenant net lease deals, fast food, Seven Eleven, 11 things like that. And uh, they're going back to the tenants and saying, we need X amount more because of the cost of this project and our projected exit cap rate has changed significantly. Uh, so there's a lot of conversations happening right now. Some deals are moving forward with higher rents, some aren't. Um, but... It, your point it has to happen
0: what what i do think the counter to rents rising what i do think you may start to see in some instances is retailers contributing more to the capex of the project mm. see what i think has happened over the last few i think what has happened over the last 15 years is you know, the burden of cost to install a tenant, the bur- stores opened on the backs of landlords, spending the money to get the stores open. What I think you, and I'm seeing already is some retailers with significant cash position built up over 21 in order to, you, you talked about the developer that went to the tenant and said, Hey, in order to make these numbers work, Um, I need more rent. You know, we have had retailers say, well, what if I lessen that cost burden? Right.
1: I mean, it's all an equation,
0: right? It's all a financial. And so that, that could be the mitigant, but that hasn't transpired just yet. But I do believe that given that stores are profitable, given that at scale, given that retailers have a lot of cash on their books. And they spent so much money deploying into tech over the last 10 years. And they still need to do that a little bit. some would argue a lot of it, but they, there was a huge pendulum, right? Dollars used to go into stores like this and tech was here. There was Mm -hmm. a flip as that starts to even out retailers, uh, deploying capital into the physical plant of their locations is a pretty good investment. And they already started to get a taste of this, right? There's a ton of remodels that have happened and are continuing. The next step is how much more of that goes into their expansion. And if CapEx gets diverted to that, that could be the mitigant for retailers. But without that, rents are rising.
1: How much of this do you think is pressure from the landlords and how much of it is just general inflation? So if we see inflation ease, do you think we're going to see rent growth ease or are they just not going in tandem?
0: Inflation in what? Right. It, because if if inflation eases, but construction costs don't ease. Right. You know, and I said construction costs are like college tuition, right? Like because steel goes up. Okay so lumber goes down let's just say lumber goes down but then labor goes up okay. i was going to say labor, labor goes down factor. and steel goes up it's like mm-hmm. it's the, yeah. it, it finds its way in so uh, to me it's it's less inflationary it's more the cost of doing business today um and have- if if the construction yeah. costs plummet sure but it's it's hard if you have a, a 1.85 trillion dollar infrastructure bill that's going to, you know, need a lot of construction, it's hard to see construction costs True. compressing.
1: Now, how do you think all this fits together with potentially depressed profitability from retailers due to inflation or less consumer spending? I mean, this is all tenant by tenant, but if we have sales reports coming out that aren't as strong, Do you think we're going to see more pushback on landlords demanding more rent or tenants going to say, we just don't have it in the budget? Or is that just such a a different area for them that, that it's not a concern?
0: I think you're always in the, everyone's got budgetary constraints. I think, you know, this goes into another, a whole nother piece, which is how much margin can a retailer drive into a sale, right? i think that's what it comes to and we saw in in you know 2020 and 2021 when there was inventory shortages the retailers were able to create significant margin because of supply shortage into the product Mm -hmm. and the challenge today is there's an excess amount of product, so you're going to start to see discounting um but I think that comes down to that that cascades into a whole nother discussion about inventory control and pricing power. Um, next but then month, we'll cover at that. The mo- at the moment, there's another retailer willing to step up and take it. Right. And so they, they, they might lose out on that deal.
1: Exactly. So I have a few stats to, to back that up. So retail completions were a record quarterly low of 3.6 million square feet in Q2, according to CBRE. So this is a 56% drop from the year before. Yeah, so when that. we're talking about availability and, and options for retailers, if they want to expand, it's getting really tough. So the the... The increase in rent might be something that they're going to have to swallow. I think my concern is more forward looking. If their margins are being compressed, do they start looking at their fixed costs like real estate and say, maybe we just don't expand? Maybe we just don't take that other location. We're not seeing that now, but I'm wondering, you know, in a year, if these factors continue um, economically, if if that might be something we see more of.
0: I I think the macro forces of the challenges with Last Mile and with the lack of profitability and e-commerce at scale are so large that expansion isn't going to slow.
1: Great. I like it. Yeah. I think we should just end there. Perfect. Thank you so much. Those were great insights. We covered eminent domain. We covered the real estate becoming more durable because the store size is shrinking, which I love. And then we just covered the, the increase in retail rents. So Yeah.
0: And I don't know why... People aren't talking about this enough, but I think, like, to me, this is a precursor to the what's in store predictions for 2023 that we do at the end of the year. Because, you know, I think at some point this is going to start to be hot conversation. It can't sit under the radar for too long.
1: Completely agree. We're starting the conversation right here, right now.
0: Chris, this was
1: great. Wonderful to see you, everyone listening. Thank you for tuning in to what's in store. We look forward to seeing you again next month. Have a great day, everyone.
0: Thank you for listening to retail retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retail at DLC This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.